the things that we had in common, same shoe size, same, same uh, age, basically, same height, and uh, same weight when he got married, <laughs> but not after that. Wow. And, uh, but so I knew that in order to, for anybody for a second to even have an inkling that, I could, that they could be feeling like they're watching a portrayal of him, that I knew that I had to physically completely change. Welcome to the National Defense. The National Defense is dedicated to the men and women who serve our country in active duty, our veterans, and their families. We're here for you. God bless you. We love you. On each episode, we look for people and stories with some connection to these heroes. I'm Randy Miller. Bradley Cooper is an actor and filmmaker. He's been nominated for eight Academy Awards and a Tony Award and has won two Grammys. His films have grossed $11 billion worldwide, and he portrayed Navy SEAL sharpshooter Chris Kyle in the fantastic movie American Sniper. Welcome back to the National Defense. It's Randy Miller and Jerry Newberry. You, you think about all the, the great combat movies that have come out over the past few years. And I think one of the very best true combat movies has to be American Sniper, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. An incredible story of Navy SEAL Chris Kyle. Everybody can relate to that. You know, everybody talks about that. And who better to talk about it than the guy who was nominated for Best Actor for his portrayal of Chris Kyle, Bradley Cooper. He joins us here in the National Defense. Bradley Cooper! Wow! Hey guys, thanks for having me. Man, thank and I just want to say for anybody listening, uh, thank you so much for your service. Uh, you're the reason why we're able to have our freedom, and uh, you know, uh, I hope all of us civilians, you know, every day remind ourselves of that privilege. Amen. Well, thank you so much, buddy. Uh, where are we talking to you from today? Uh, New York City. You're in New York, and uh, yeah, you're, you're a guy that is always working all the time, right? Actually, after American Sniper, uh, I, I, that, that kind of took that took a lot out of me. Literally, like like 40, 40 pounds, 40 right? Worth. Yeah, it sure did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, as you get older, it's it's not so easy to shed that weight. After <laughs> <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> well, hey, Bradley, what kind of uh, when you got into the training for that movie? You know what kind of stuff did you go through and to, how, to, to gain the weight? You mean? Well, I mean yeah. just the, just the physicality of that role. Well, you know, I knew, you know, when I when I first uh, well, I acquired the book when Chris was still alive, and I was always planning on making the movie, you know, uh, telling a story that, you know, about a veteran who was, you know, back in civilian life, and then he was horribly murdered mm. while we were writing the script. Oh wow! Uh, so everything, every everything changed, and um, and unfortunately, I never got to meet him. I only spoke to him on the phone once. Um, uh-huh. That's too bad. But the one thing I knew is, you know, I'm I'm from Philadelphia. The, the things that we had in common, same shoe size, same same uh, age, basically, same height, and uh, same weight when he got married, <laughs> but not after that. Wow. And uh, but so I knew that in order to, for anybody for a second to even have an inkling that I could, that they could be feeling like they're watching a portrayal of him, that I knew that I had to physically completely change. Hmm. So. That was the first sort of step, and that that was not easy. I gotta say, you know, uh, to do it naturally too. So it was like six thousand calories a day and uh, weight training, not bodybuilding, and it, mm. it was you know, all encompassing for for you know almost the better part of half a year. But the real the 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 way I was able to to um, hopefully inhabit him was the access and the willingness uh, from his family, particularly Taya. And having all their email exchanges, all their home videos, uh, being able to talk and meet with his parents and his brother, uh, becoming very close with his children, 
And um, and then it was just about you know being um, efficient to a degree. You know, obviously not in combat with the three weapons that he used, and training with um, uh, Dauber, who wound, who was a part of SEAL Team Three, who mm. I wound up casting in the movie to play himself. He was invaluable. He was absolutely invaluable. Having him on, the, on set, he would constantly tell us, you know, this is how it actually happened, and and we would change always, depended upon uh, his notes. Um, and Rick Miller was another guy who trained me as a sniper. Um, and then people like Jacob Schick and other real vets who were in the movie. Uh, and we had a lot of vets that came, a part of uh, SEALs who came and visited while we were shooting. Uh, you know, it's a Clint Eastwood set, so, you right. know, everybody wants to come. And uh, it, it really was a special experience. And uh, if the movie worked at all, it really was because both Clint Eastwood and myself we kind of got out of the way and let Chris take over. And it really is, uh, we tried to just do a character study of what it, what it, you know, so people at home could really realize the plight of a soldier and, and for their family. But, you know, we're talking to Bradley Cooper here in the National Defense. And, Bradley, i got to tell you, uh, Jerry Newberry sitting here, he's a Vietnam vet, and when that movie came out, you it took a while for you to see it, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Uh, he, of course, I... I don't know if you know this, Bradley, but I, I embedded uh, in Iraq and three times in Afghanistan. So, oh wow! And in my, you know, you know, my combat experience in Vietnam. So, so I look at these, you know, war movies with a jaundiced eye. I'm always trying to, of course, you, you of know. course. But uh, I, I, yeah, was, my math teacher in high school uh, was a was a was a medic uh, ah, in the Marines mm, uh, in God Vietnam. Yeah. And he used to always, you know, half of the class was math and the rest was me asking him questions about Vietnam. And, you know, he would often talk talk about how movies, you know, really don't capture it. And uh, he, he, was, he was, I was always fascinated with that war and the plight and what it, the toll that it took when I was a kid. And, um, yeah, thank you for all your service and uh, what that must have been like. Well, thanks. Uh, but, you know, I in one respect, I wanted to see the movie. He was uh, Sergeant Bill Calm. That, 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 that's uh, his name. Well, God bless, yeah. God bless our corpsmen and medics. Um, yeah. I walked away from the movie, and uh, you know, it, it it touched me, and mm. uh, it, it, I really felt it. So, uh, wonderful job, oh, Bra- that's great. Bravo! You know, we 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 had a chance to go to the hospital in San Antonio, that wonderful facility out there, and uh, Walter Reed in D.C. and L.A and went to some bases and showed the movie and got to meet soldiers. And by far, that was the most gratifying experience. I got to do one with Wayne Kyle. Uh, it was really just a, that that meant the world to me. I just, I just wanted to get it right, you know. Well, well you, you talk about the pressure on a guy. I mean, not, not only are you doing that kind of a combat movie, but, but it's a, it, you know, this is an active story when you get into this and you're, you're well, portraying. And he made an act of love. I, I right, mean, he took absolutely. Yeah. And uh, just thanks, uh, you know, while we still have time, I just want to thank you for everything you're doing. It's uh, much appreciated. Yep, absolutely. Well, it's a, it's a very, it's a privilege. It was a, a complete honor to uh, to tell his story. I got to tell you, I, I I never felt as as sad as it was, and and it, there were some hard days on set. 
I always felt Chris right next to me. And mm. um, I mean, I can't tell you how many times guys would t come up to me, soldiers, and say, "Don't f this up." <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Your ass. That's yeah. right. Well, you know, you mentioned Jake. You know, they say, I, "I knew Chris," and don't f it up. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, and I, I, I don't know how, but I never. Every time that happened, and it would happen often. Um, I never felt scared once I put the work in because I really did. I know this sounds kind of, uh, you know, sort of mystical, but I, I really felt Chris there all the time mm. uh, helping me. Well, you know, you mentioned Jacob Schick. He's a buddy, oh, yeah, buddy of a yours. And, and I understand that you, you're still close with a lot of the, uh, the military guys that you uh, kind of participated in the movie. And yeah, I mean, we we we, we had just some incredible people, and uh, I, I'm 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 good at keeping in touch. So uh, I just uh, I, I wouldn't let them get out of my life. So, well, <laughs> so they it, don't it, have a choice. It, it, it's, it's cool that you're not some uh, yeah uh, you, you know some Hollywood stiff. Yeah, you know, you're just a regular. He's from guy. Philadelphia. He's from Philly. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's cool. You know, I, I had great parents. I really I grew up in a in a, in a great environment, and and I was taught, you know. Uh, responsibility. I, I, you know, it's, I, I owe it all to my upbringing. You know, which we all do. You know, yeah. it, it informs everything. And now, being a father myself, I just realized the importance of that. We got Jacob Schick, uh, Schick on the other line with us here in the National Defense. Jacob, are you there? I'm here. And Jacob is oh, there. He is. Uh, there he is. Retired hey, Marine, and uh, was in an IED attack, which is horrible. Um, and you were in American Sniper, and and you've been uh, you've been hobnobbing for a while, haven't you? I, I don't know if hobnobbing is uh, an accurate term. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Randy. I've, but I've been uh, no, I've I've you know, I've I've dabbled in a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but uh, you know, it's just been it's been a learning experience uh, all along, and you know, having Bradley as a, as a good friend and brother helps helps a lot because he's uh obviously takes his profession very seriously and uh people you know people don't realize how much how many hours he truly puts in to his craft i mean he truly is a uh quintessential professional so you well, shooting the movie I, I i mean uh you you were grievously wounded in, in that ied attack uh and Chris was a friend of yours, and uh, you know that set. At least viewing it in the movie was so incredibly realistic, and just sort of reliving some of that stuff on the set. Did that impact you at all? What what kind of effect did that have on you? You know, I it, for me it was um, it was excruciatingly therapeutic, and mm. uh, it was something that I really appreciated because. I, you know, I was able to play a small part in honoring the legacy of a legend like Chris Cowes, who's a legend past, and you know, and having a movie made by a living legend in that of Clint Eastwood, it was awesome because you know I had to play a severely wounded Marine, so I, I better nailed it because I am a severely wounded Marine. So <laughs> it, it wasn't that far out of the realm of possibility that I could pull it off. But like I said, the the whole cast and the crew and, and everyone made just couldn't have been more gracious and they made everyone feel very comfortable right at home and it, it made it uh, what was a somewhat intimidating experience very enjoyable so it was uh it was very therapeutic actually it was something that i've, I've that's that's the, the part i fell in love with is that i could be myself 
while not being myself. Hmm. Well, good. That, that and if I could just cool. cut in for one second. Sure. He, yes, he played himself in that movie, but he's also in uh, another movie that we just finished together called A Star is Born. He plays Lady Gaga's manager at the restaurant where he's wow. not playing himself, oh, cool. and he's fantastic. That's cool. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he played Lady Gaga. I thought that's that's he did. And then, <laughs> well, I don't, know if he's that, I don't know if he's that much of a comedian. <laughs> You'd be wanting to whoop on me for saying that. <laughs> Hey, Bradley, what, right. you brought uh, Clint Eastwood up. Uh, how was that experience for both of you guys? I mean, it, it, he, he is, besides being a legend, as everybody knows from his films, he's just a wonderful human being. And uh, his set uh, has a, a level of carefreeness that, uh, that I hadn't really experienced before. You know, he's a jazz musician, and that's how his mm-hmm. sets run and his, how he lives his life. And very open and talk about not being a Hollywood stiff he is the quintessential example of um, a regular human being who's, you know, one of the most famous people in the world. Uh, yeah. And uh, you, I really, you know, he is he is somebody to try to emulate. That hmm. is for sure. Did, did uh, if you mess up on set, does he give you the squint? <laughs> he squints a lot for good and bad. <laughs> so, yeah, and you're going to be in another production with him, aren't you? Yeah, I'm honored enough to be able to act opposite him. Uh, just we're going to start shooting in a couple of weeks, so I'm so I'm so grateful to do that. Wow. I never thought I'd be able to do that with him. Yeah, I, I, I have to ask this question, if I may. Uh, you know, I've been a fan of yours, of course, before this movie, uh, Hangover, which you know, the best, the, the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing. But anyway, <laughs> American Hustle, I love that oh, movie. Oh, that's a great movie. Um, that, that, that was kind of a, a leap for you, wasn't it, to, from those types of roles into the Chris Kyle thing? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've always had the blessing of being clear of what I wanted to be and, as an actor, and that's just to grow. I constantly want to grow, and uh, and so this was another opportunity uh, to um, to grow as an actor, but but it really became much more than that. I mean, when you're playing a real human being and somebody uh, that's Chris Kyle, you, all of a sudden one's job becomes it has a different light. And I really felt the uh, the the, uh, the obligation to to to, do, to to help. You know, that all of a sudden I found myself as an actor in a position where I could really potentially be of service uh, within you know what I do for a living, and that. That it just brought a whole other uh, group of elements to this project, and and, and <clears throat> quite honestly, I've never really been the same since uh, for the better. You know, I don't. Mm. And then when I said to you guys, you know, I don't really work like crazy anymore. I really do. I'm also 43 years old, and you know, time is the time is the currency. Nothing else is. So sure. I really want to make sure anything that I do do that it's it's worth putting all that. As Jacob said, it is a tremendous amount of work that goes into these things. Well, we got to definitely, uh, uh, Jake, uh, thanks f- for your service. Absolutely. And, uh, man, uh, you're a brother. And I can, if I can just say real quick, he, it, J- Jacob has a wonderful uh, uh, foundation, uh, 22 Kill, that does a lot of great work, and I've been uh, lucky enough to be a part of that on one of their tours. And uh, he's just uh, he's a, he's a shining example of, uh, of, of um, you know, veterans back in the civilian world. Hmm. How do we get more information about your foundation, Jacob? Uh, you just go to 22kill.com, and basically what we're all about is raising and preventing 
suicide, raising awareness and preventing, implementing preventive measures for not only veterans and their families, but first responders and law enforcement and their families as well. So we deal in everything that's uh, mental health related. So, wow. you know, for us and for me being a combat guy who's severely wounded and a uh, third generation combat Marine, it was, um, it's the wounds that you can't see that are most detrimental yep. to your well-being. Yeah, absolutely. We talk yeah. about it all on the show all the time, and uh, those numbers are coming down a little bit now, which is fantastic. But uh, even even one, yeah, and, and you know, and, uh, a lot of guys uh, that handle it, handle it well, some handle it so. And it's wonderful what you guys are doing. I gotta say, well, yeah, and, and you know what? It's it's okay. I, here's where you know I got hit in 2004, and there was a long time where. I would do the same thing. I would go into my dark hole during Memorial Day weekend because it's a mental, you have that mental Rolodex that just plays in your head and mm. you can't help it. You see the faces of all these great men that quite frankly are just better than me. And which I've, I've come to a point in my journey of life to where for me, it is a day of celebration because I'm celebrating the fact that, that such men and women actually lived. Absolutely. And that we have yeah. such men and women on this spinning ball of chaos that are standing at the ready as we speak, uh, willing to do violence on our behalf for this little thing that we call freedom. Yeah, and I, so with that said, I, for all your listeners, I just want to say a very humble and gracious thank you for being a part of something that's greater than yourself. And trust me when I tell you, as long as I'm drawing breath, I'll make sure that this world doesn't forget your sacrifice. You're a good guy. Amen. And, You're a good to, guy. and to speak on behalf of uh, civilians out there, for whoever's listening, you know that, that know that even though you may feel it, uh, you aren't alone. There's a lot of us that are feeling for you and thinking about you, not just during this weekend, but in our daily lives. And even though it may seem like that's not the case, uh, I'm here to tell you that it is. Man, I, well, you don't know what what this means to so many people that are listening. Just for for both you guys to be on here, and we really appreciate the time. Bradley Cooper, Jacob Schick, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, love to, love to have you guys back on sometime. Anytime. Great. Thanks. Right on. Super fun. Thank you, guys. Thank Thanks. you so much. Thanks, guys. Uh, God bless. You too. Thank you. We'll be right back here in the National Defense. David Faherty is a former professional golfer and current golf broadcaster. As a touring professional, he won five European tour events. Since he's retired, he's worked as a television personality, served as an on-course reporter for the PGA Tour on CBS, and in 2011, he introduced a self-titled interview series on Golf Channel, which is hilarious, and then he joined NBC Sports full-time in 2016. And I love the show when we can uh, can show another side of someone that you might know, and especially if it's something uh, they do that uh, involves helping veterans. And if you know anything about uh, if you know anything about golf, you're going to recognize this music. When you hear this music, immediately you know who the guest is. David Faraday is our guest from the Golf Channel and NBC. David, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Randy. I hate that music. <laughs> <laughs> where did where did that where did you come up with that? Uh, well, I didn't. Uh, we had two choices initially uh, seven years ago for the theme music, and uh, I chose the other one. So it shows you how much influence I have. I mean, it's it's almost as iconic as the Friends theme. It's it's amazing. 
Yeah, it's, it's awful. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I do have to tell you that, uh, you, you know, our uh, home base here is in Kansas City, where uh, a good friend of yours, Tom Watson, lives. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's uh, more than a friend to me, Tom, yeah. and he's a great supporter of the military as well. Yeah, we're not allowed to speak with Tom uh, in Kansas City. <laughs> that's uh, that's well, a, I, I, kind of a rule. I've been to Iraq, Iraq with Tom, and uh, one of the greats of my life really was. Yeah, and, and he's got a fabulous ranch. He's uh, he's just an incredible man. He's done a lot for Kansas City and done a lot for, like you said, the military and and for uh, for golf. But uh, just a little bit um, for the people that might not know David Faraday. He turned professional in 1976. You won ten events. I mean, you were a serious serious player and uh, played on the Ryder Cup team. And then when you uh, when you stopped playing, you became an announcer. Uh, now you Golf Channel NBC. And his weekly interview show, Faraday, is on every Monday night on the Golf Channel. And just to tell you what a great interviewer you are, David, uh, it's miraculous. You made Hale Irwin seem exciting. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. It's just some amazing stuff. But, uh, you know, I think the, uh, the thing that people may not know about you is the fact that uh, uh, you've been a friend of the military uh, and veterans for, for many, many years and uh, with your Troops First Foundation, especially the IED events, talk a little bit about what you guys do. Well, um, we have sort of, uh, we've got various programs. We're not that big, Randy, but we try to help as, as many of our, our wounded military uh, as we can. Um, the, our main project at the moment uh, is the Leroy Petrie Honor Village. We've got seven homes uh, opening in the next few weeks. Uh, that we built up near Walter Reed for uh, families in transition from the hospital. Great. Um, you know, named for uh, Leroy Petrie, who was one of my first uh, soldiers in the foundation. He's a Medal of Honor recipient. And um, Operation Proper Exit, where we take kids back to the place where they were hit um, uh, and uh, let them see that they were part of a, uh, a mission that, that didn't fail. You know, they didn't let down their teammates. And when they leave the theater uh, on that uh, particular occasion, uh, the, the insurgent doesn't have a voice. You know, their unit mm-hmm. turns out to say goodbye to them, and they uh, get up the back of that uh, the ramp of that C-130 themselves. It's been uh, we've taken more than a hundred back now, and every one of them has come back uh, just a, a different uh, soldier, sailor, airman, or marine. Um, we've got Operation Warrior Call, which tries to keep uh, uh, keep the the guys in in touch with their battle buddies, because one of the things that we find, uh, you know, contributes to, to PTSD uh, is the fact that they, they fall out of touch with, you know, brothers in arms. Uh, and that's an incredibly important connection. Yeah, We're absolutely. trying to keep that. And, uh, you know, I tell uh, the guys that I have PTSD as well. I have pre-traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure something dreadful is going to happen, but I have no idea when. <laughs> or what. <laughs> you yeah. know, it, it's, it's fantastic. And I know that uh, you're, you really have a heart for the IED um, uh, soldiers. And uh, I, I don't know, Dave, you're originally from Northern Ireland and you're, you're a, re- yes. a recent U.S. citizen. Where did you get your passion for the American military? Well, growing up in Northern Ireland in the, the 60s and 70s, it was an urban warfare zone. And, uh, you know, the, the, the armed forces there were fighting an enemy that, that didn't wear a uniform, that hid behind women and children. There were sectarian explosions. It was all, it's all sort of eerily familiar, and I can't bear the thought uh, of, it, of it coming here. Um, so 
in 2007, uh, I had the opportunity to go uh, to Iraq with the USO. And uh, at that point, you know, my wife wanted me to remain. Uh, and even though I love the country, you know, I was just you know, trying to stay married and all the rest. Sure. Um, but when I, I came back, I had to be an American citizen. I was, I was so blown away by the dedication uh, of uh, our military, uh, the restraint that they show on a daily basis when they don't pull the trigger, uh, mm. something that's never reported. Um, yeah. Their commitment to the to the local people and compassion that they have for them is just the most extraordinary uh, force for good, uh, and isn't portrayed that way in the media very often. And it upset no. me. So uh, on, on the twenty third of February two thousand ten, uh, I finally became a, a U.S. citizen, and uh, the greatest day of my life. I, I, I love this country, and the reason that this country is great. There are four reasons I tell people, and that, those are soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines. Oh, amen. Um, it's never been any different. Not, nothing to do with politicians or anything like them. It's uh, it's about our armed forces. Yeah, and you know that's just so nice uh, for someone to see. I mean, there, uh, David, as you know, we're talking to David Faraday from uh, NBC and the Golf Channel, and uh, as you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, people in the United States that, uh, that that don't get that, that that don't understand that, and for yeah. you for for you to to not only see it, but then to capitalize on that and to uh, to do the incredible work that you're doing. I just I want to thank thank you so much for that. We just had uh, you know. Uh, a friend, this is my greatest honor. A friend of yours, uh, George W. Bush, on this program uh, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and uh, I had no idea he was a he was an artist. Oh yeah, he's he's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's, he's really good. Yeah, and for him to take his first project and uh, his book uh, uh, Portraits and Courage and to paint these uh, military uh, people that uh, have come back, and a lot of them. Uh, uh, wounded, and not only you know <laughs> does he paint them, he invites them to uh, his ranch, his Crawford Ranch, and he races them on mountain bikes. What's wrong with yeah, him? That's right. Yeah, that's right. He's not riding ahead. He's, uh, he's a founder in chief for our armed forces and a huge supporter of the military. And I adore him and and every other member of the Bush family as well. They're just some of the greatest people I've ever met. Yeah, he's, he's incredible. And uh, hopefully we're going to be able to uh, to go to his ranch sometime September, October, and uh, interview some of those people uh, from the book as well. But, you know, when I mentioned uh, President Bush to you, that's, that's no big deal to you because you've interviewed how many presidents on your show? I think uh, that, uh, you know, four presidents, what the heck on earth are they thinking? Four president and, and Donald Trump, uh, uh, Barack Obama, George W. Bush, and uh, was it uh, and Bill Clinton? And Bill Clinton. That's right. Who's the better golfer among the four? You think? Um, I would give that to W. Yeah. Um, or maybe the Donalds. You know, the Donald plays pretty well. Yeah, I always wonder about that. He talks a big game. Yeah. Well. That's a big game at everything. Yeah, <laughs> I really enjoyed your uh, two-parter with uh, Phil Mickelson. You've got that ability to bring out, because you never hear anything from golfers, uh, from professional players, and you just got that ability to bring that out. You know, I, I hear you talk, and I, and I think about my uh, 
my one experience uh, in Ireland playing golf. And I just wonder if this is a, t- is a typical experience. We went over there on a family vacation a few years ago, and I got paired. Was there a sheep involved? There, <laughs> there's always sheep involved. But I, yes. I got paired up uh, with a redemptorist priest, the sweet little old man uh, at his uh, at, a, at a club there. Um, I, I want to say around Shannon, somewhere around there. And uh, so we go out, and he says, uh, uh, would you like to play for something? And I said, well, that's that's okay. He said, we'll have a, big, a bit of a match. I said, what, what should we play for? And he said, I'll play you for a pint. And I said, okay. So we start, <laughs> we start out, and it's just it's just me and him. And uh, every three-footer that I look at, he goes, oh, go ahead and pick that up until I start beating him. And then all of a sudden, this sweet little redemptorist priest turns into this monster and he said, you, you, you might need to put that out. So I, I finally, I win the match and uh, I said, don't worry about the pint. He goes, oh, no, no, no. You're getting the pint. He said, you come over here on, on my own golf course and you beat me with rented clubs. You're getting the pint. And we sat there and we drank with him and his bunch of, of, of uh, priest buddies. Best time I ever had. Oh, that's great. Is that, is that a uh, typical uh, Irish experience? Yeah, it is. You know, in Ireland, uh, you've uh, well. When you go to Europe, you got to set your watch six or seven hours forwards. When you go to Ireland, you have to wind it about thirty years backwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And uh, you know, when you go into there, there isn't a television in every bar. You know, you end up talking to people. The art of conversation is, is right. still alive there, right. and uh, there's an intellectual exchange that's uh, a little different from many places in the world. Yeah, it was fantastic, and the people there are just incredible. and And I think that's what makes your your show even better is just that that innate ability to draw people out. You've got a, a regular segment on uh, on Faherty called Rapid Fire. Can we do that real quick? Yes. Okay. Here yeah, we go. sure. All right, a little Rapid Fire with David Faherty. Uh, complete this sentence: Gary McCord is a blank. A moron. How do you like your steak? Uh, medium well. Spandex or Spanx? Ooh. Depends. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean... Yeah. How, did Dustin, yes. how did Dustin Johnson really hurt his back? Um, he fell up the stairs. Two iron or three wood? Uh, two iron. Kilt or commando? Killed and commander. I was going to say, it could be. But since you've become a U.S. citizen, what's the most American thing you've embraced? Uh, Long-distance rifle shooting. <laughs> do you like, do you really like Ricky Fowler's shoes? No, no, not really. Uh, I, I don't like golf shoes in general. They're just so ugly. They're made to be worn with shorts. So uh, anytime you see someone in long pants, they're god awful. And then finally, will Donald Trump build a wall around Lee Trevino? Yeah, that'll be a big wall. Lee Trevino is, uh, you know, his, his pants size is 42, 22, and uh, you could iron them in a toaster. <laughs> David, listen, thank you so much for what you've done for the troops. Thank you so much for what you're doing for veterans and, uh, and for your work everywhere. We're just such big fans and just really, really uh, appreciate the time. Love to have you back on and, uh, and get an update about the uh, foundation anytime you want to. Absolutely. Thanks, Randy. Hey, if you like what you heard, you can help us serve the ones who are serving by subscribing and leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to The National Defense. 
The National Defense is written and hosted by me, Randy Miller, and executive produced by Nate Heron. Be sure to visit us online at thenationaldefense.com.